Hi everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Feel Your Fandom Podcast. My name is Saint. I want to thank you for joining us here again. Uh, my co-host Jim is currently uh, taking a one-week hiatus. He's on a little bit of a, a road trip, and uh, so we wish him well. We hope he drives safe, but uh, he will be back again with us here shortly. But never fear, we are here in your ears as we always are. Uh, again, if you're looking to reach us, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash feelyourfandom. Uh, you can always email us uh, at uh, feelyourfandom at gmail.com. Or if you have a topic for conversation or would like to be a guest or know someone who'd like to be a guest on the program, fyftalentbooking at gmail.com is the place to reach us at. Uh, if you're looking to find places to listen to us, don't worry. We're pretty much everywhere you can find a podcast. So uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, Pandora, iHeartRadio. We're kind of all, all over the place. So if that's your game, uh, you can find us everywhere. So, But uh, like I said, uh, Jim's on a bit of a road trip this week. So I kind of wanted to uh, welcome back a friend of the program, constant co-host of uh, Season 2. Uh, my brother-in-law Thomas. Thomas, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm glad to have doing you over. Very again. good. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a minute. Yeah, a couple months, yeah, I think. At least. Yeah. Well, I mean, with this whole COVID nightmare and everything going on, it's it's difficult to carve out time that's not, you know. Yeah. School from work or or school from home and work from home and. Yeah, the only time I've left my house was to like go to work or work on my car. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But uh, but what have you been up to? Uh, just trying to work on my car. I've uh, my car's as old as old as I am. So, and it's been burning a lot of oil. So I've been looking at buying a second car because that's always what you should buy for your, your first car is another car. <laughs> you know, s- spread out the 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 use and the wear. But is this that, that Nissan you're still driving? Yeah. Oh man, going on ten years now, at least. Yeah, you've had that a minute. Yeah, I've had it for like legit like 10 years. And it's funny, I didn't have to ask if you were here or not. I could hear you pulling up the street in that thing. It's great. Oh, yeah, dude. It chops for show. <laughs> well, uh, I kind of had a bit of an idea of what I wanted to discuss today. It's kind of a, a loose amalgamation of a topic but uh i've been doing a lot of watching of the uh marvel cinematic universe stuff the disney plus series and things like that wandavision falcon and winter soldier things like that and uh, you know of course being a huge marvel fan uh we've got a glut of material there's a whole lot of stuff we can access at this point but what i kind of wanted to dig into and more so with marvel than with uh, dc or any other property but we can kind of touch on those too um, but I kind of had this idea to talk about uh, uh, what it takes to be a compelling villain mm-hmm. in these kind of properties, this kind of uh, setting. Because, I mean, we have all over comics media and everything else like that, we have villains. You have people who are just villains for villain's sake, you know, uh, animalistic or robotic or whatever you want to call it, That people who are just villains. There's no really redeeming qualities. There's no real saving grace if you will mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh i noticed that more so with like the mcu type stuff they've really tried to give these villains more of uh morality 
I don't yeah. know if that's the right word or not. They're but. definitely more grounded in their motivations. There's a personal conflict in their history that's like causing their emotions. It's not like world domination or market manipulation or money or just straight out evil. You know, evil yeah. for evil's sake. It's always like some kind of personal vendetta. Right. Uh, and you look at things like the DCEU, you have people like, you know, Doomsday, who's just evil for evil's sake. He was bred that way. There's never going to be a redeeming of Doomsday. Uh, Lex Luthor uh, is, like you said, market manipulation, wants to not necessarily rule the world, but strength through power. And yeah. he wants to be everything that Superman is, except on a human level. Um the Joker is just sheer chaos for chaos's sake. There's no redemption arc there. But then if you look on the other side of, of the of the comic book publishing area, we've got in the MCU the big villains. We got Ultron, you got uh Thanos, you've got Red Skull, you've got I mean, there's a whole host of other uh, villains who have been throughout the series, but the real uh, connecting tissue, the real thread that I've seen is that they are, like you said, they have a, a, a redeeming quality about them, a motivation, a, a driving goal with uh, with not really being in the whole conquer the world kind of vein, you know? Yeah. Well, even like in... The MCU, when it is political theater based, it's mostly that they were being oppressed by Americans and that they're just trying to seek out vengeance or revenge. It's not like they're trying to control the whole world. They just want to get payback. Right. And and you look at things like, uh, even into the comic books, like, let's take uh, one of the longest uh, term villains of the uh, Marvel Comics history, which is uh, Magneto. Mm-hmm. Magneto was this kind of character who was developed to be a terrorist villain uh, a primary foil to the x-men the x-men's driving motivation of course is to protect a world that fears and hates them that's kind of their their drag their tagline that they've been using for decades and decades since stanley created them and the entire purpose of uh, the x-men was to be kind of a metaphor for uh, civil rights right yeah definitely um, and so uh, you have magneto who was poised to be uh and i don't mean this to sound in any kind of derogatory way and if I, if it comes across that way i certainly apologize but uh they kind of set him up to be the mutant version of like a lewis farrakhan yeah. whereas you have professor xavier trying to preach you know peace and equality and 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 working with to create more you have magneto on the other side saying this is our right and we will have it by any means necessary and i think uh, i mean i cannot possibly be the only one to draw the the comparison between uh xavier and and dr martin luther king jr and and uh magneto and louis farrakhan i mean it's a fairly straightforward comparison yeah so as far back as like 1963 with the with the first X-Men issue coming out back then, uh, we've had this 
villain who, yeah, they, they they played around with, you know, different motivations for him, but his overall driving motivation was to protect mutant kind, mm-hmm. to uh, keep mutant kind from suffering at the hands of humanity. And he even took turns on both sides of the fence. He was uh, a teacher at the Xavier School during a large part of the New Mutants run as well. Uh, and in recent years, he's even been a member of the X-Men teams. And so uh, to say that he's a complicated villain is kind of selling it short. If you look into the history of Magneto, and I know I'm going on kind of off on a tangent, but uh, Magneto's whole character started with uh, him as a, as a young boy in the concentration camps in uh, Germany uh, under the yoke of the Nazis. Yeah. And so his rebellion back then was against the ultimate oppressor, really, yeah. which was the, the Nazis. And, and so uh, he's almost designed to make us feel bad for him, you know, almost designed to make us kind of empathize a little bit with uh, not necessarily him as a character, but his motivations potentially. So uh, what do you think of that? Yeah, well, it's very weird because, like, you think of the context of 1963 as only 20 years after World War II, you know, so that that is all still very fresh. And so creating him as, like, an allegory for, like, don't let history repeat itself, mm-hmm. like, he's like, we've already seen this. My people saw this as a Jewish man when I was young, and now I'm seeing it again as a mutant when I'm older mm-hmm. and that's like supposed to be for civil rights people of color are seeing the same thing that Jewish people saw only 20 years prior and so it's just all of his motivations are all completely valid you know he's not in the wrong but it's how his actions are portrayed and how he carries out his stance that mm-hmm. turns him into a villain right and so he's definitely the the ideal of a complicated character where it's like yeah he he's completely right but how he does things isn't. Right. And I know uh, kind of the driving uh, idea behind uh, the conversation I wanted to have today was kind of based around uh, the idea of Thanos. And now Thanos in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is kind of a little bit different than uh, Thanos in the comics uh, universe. I'm not sure. I know you've read a lot of Marvel comics. Mm -hmm. uh, So anyone out there who hasn't maybe seen the distinct difference... Uh, Thanos' motivation uh, for attaining the Infinity Gauntlet in uh, the comic books was to uh, basically woo the embodiment of death. Yeah. He was in love with quote-unquote death, the embodiment of death. Yeah, Yeah, Lady Death. Yeah. And uh, so everything he did was to win her favor, to show her that he worshipped her. Right. And how do you worship death? You cause death. You yeah. send souls to her. Yeah, I don't remember. For some reason, they had like broken up, and she was unhappy with him, and that was his way to try to win her back was to impress her by giving her all this death. Right. And I know Deadpool factored in at one point or another. They kind of worked that into like a weird love triangle. Yeah. Between because Deadpool was always trying to die and he couldn't. Yeah. And so uh, he'd met death on a number of occasions and kind of had a thing for her too. Mm-hmm. And so. And there was this weird, weird rivalry between Thanos and Deadpool, of all people, yeah. in the comics, which, of course, wouldn't work very well in the comics or in the MCU. Um, but so, yeah, so Thanos' uh, driving motivation, at least initially in the Marvel Cinematic or in the Marvel comics, was to woo Lady Death. 
And we'll call her Lady Death just because that's a little less awkward than to say he's trying to woo death. Yeah. Well, and she's <laughs> drawn with breaths. Breasts. Breaths? Breaths. Yeah. She got big old titties. She's a very curvy death. Right. But it's it's interesting because like those those motivations aren't understandable at all. Like it's just so high fantasy mm-hmm. that any like relatability is completely gone right like yeah i mean maybe in relationships we do crazy things to impress the person we want to be with right especially when you're being rejected but the motivation of there's a finite number of resources on this planet my planet was destroyed because there weren't enough resources i'm going to take away everything that's draining resources so that way the half that's left can live fruitful fulfilling lives without suffering which is a a motivating factor that makes sense Mm-hmm. the genocide and all aside right and then uh as far as well i guess red skull doesn't really have any kind of redeeming factor he was just one of the world conquerors so yeah he just seemed like he was into being a nazi but he was a one character a one and done in the marvel cinematic universe yeah and, and whereas he stuck around an awful long time in the comic books he's saying he's still around i don't know yeah well i feel like he i'm not sure but i think in the comic books hydra him and his role in Hydra is much more important, whereas in the movies, Hydra's just the big scene. You know, it's like Hydra's what's to be worried about, whereas in the comic books, Red Skull is Hydra kind of thing. Right. At least much more closely related to. Right, and they have a lot of these one-and-done villains in the MCU that kind of all lead to something now, because oh, if yeah. you think about it, the, the MCU's entire purpose within the first 20-something movies was to get you to Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. So every little piece of that puzzle, whether it was uh, Doctor Strange's weird rewind thing with Dormammu or with uh, Cassilius, I think his name was, the acolyte of Dormammu in uh, Doctor Strange, uh, played by Mads Mikkelsen. Mm, Yeah, that's right. And then... uh, Oh shit! Well, we got Red Skull, and then we got Ultron, who was a one and done. Everything added a piece. Well, like, I mean, all Red of... Skull brought us the yeah. the 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 first of the Infinity Stones, mm-hmm. um, and then Ultron brought us the Vision and well, the like, Soul Stone. Iron Man's villains were all one and done. Like you have Ironmonger, Ironmonger, uh, Whiplash, Whiplash, the the Mandarin. Yeah, well, or, with Aldrich Killian. Yeah, whatever the hell um, that was. But like they didn't really set up much. Like the 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 villains didn't. Like those movies do, obviously. Right. They like, kind the of huge, the foundational. Huge foundational. Right. But those villains, their company of other bad guys in their soiree don't come back. Like the the Mandarin's whole shtick dies instantly with him. Mm-hmm. You know, the whiplash dude there was supposed to be a lot more I felt built up with the suits that they had to kind of kill off just to redirect probably their directing efforts. Like, mm-hmm. is it like, is there going to be a war machine movie? I don't remember if that's coming up. Uh, I think there's a, a series in the works. Right. So I feel like that was probably something that was supposed to be laid in the groundworks of two and three, but has been so many years later that it's kind of gotten lost. Right. And then what with Thor? I mean, yeah. So, and then Thor, the, the main villain initially was Loki. Which carried over into the first Avengers movie. Well, in the first Thor, isn't the bad guy that big robot? Oh, the Destroyer? Yeah. 
Yeah, but wasn't he? If I'm not mistaken, I don't. Even, I'm just saying he? I don't remember Thor that well, but I don't even remember seeing Loki that much until he was the Avengers, primarily Avengers. Yeah. yeah. I know there was a lot of manipulation going on. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've watched all those. Maybe there it's time a for a rewatch. Movies, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so none of these villains were really the main draw. Right. It was all leading to something. And whether they built on it foundationally or where they built on, like, maybe they just started seeing after, like, the first half dozen movies, they're like, oh, shit, we got to kind of start right heading towards a, the goalpost here. I you agree. Know? I think that they're like, oh, we should, we're interweaving these movies we should probably interweave more than just having an after credits connecting scene like right. these these worlds should actually kind of start to build up into a cohesive piece rather than just one quick two-hour story right which is kind of the selling point of what marvel's been doing with their movies in general but um so yeah i mean the only real crossover villain was thanos and that wasn't even revealed until was it after the Chitari invasion? He kind of made a little poked his head in a little bit, yeah, uh, to uh, push Loki. Well, because I think in you see him in um, Guardians of the Galaxy that he's kind of the ones pulling the strings behind Ronan, and then Ronan kind of tries to usurp him, and so that's the first time you see him is when he's up in space in a space space throne, mm-hmm. and so that's like the first time where they really start going like we're building this into one big huge thing like i know the avengers was already a big thing right but like it really goes in like hey this is not just this movie's done and these villains are be- are like done the, like they won the scene they won the day like no this is going to keep continuing to build right this is going to be someone that they're going to face in the future it's not just like oh here cool bonus scene that makes you excited to buy our next product Right, and then I think, like I said, I don't know if they uh, started off with trying to be this big uh, build because I mean they did a lot of things that Star Trek likes to do, which is kind of villain of the week and, and yeah. kind of uh, story of the week with that little tenuous thread at the end, like you said in the post credit. But um, I, I think once they settled on bringing in uh, Thanos as the big bad, they had a motivation behind him. Now, as we were talking about. Uh, with Magneto, uh, Magneto's kind of bounced around, but always kind of had this core thread. Mm-hmm. Thanos in the comic books didn't really have that different thread, but definitely less uh, grandiose, I guess, and, and more kind of jealous boyfriend. Right. Um, but then we get to Infinity War, and that's kind of where I want to start drawing the, the initial uh, comparison here. So... We're going to take a real short break. When we come back, uh, we're going to start talking about, uh, well, we'll we'll go with Thanos in Mm -hmm. Infinity War and beyond. uh, To Infinity War and beyond. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Stick around. We'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. So we were talking about Thanos and uh, the MCU version of Thanos, I should say, 
And uh, one of the really cool things that sets him apart as a villain, and there's a lot of talk online about this, and this is all pre, uh, let's say pre-Endgame talk about Thanos, because it, the conversation kind of shifts post-Endgame. Uh, but pre-end, uh, pre-Endgame, so post-Infinity uh, War, uh, his whole ideal was that he was going around the galaxy and and eliminating 50% of the population of every world he came across. And in his mind's eye, he was doing it to uh, save on resources, mm-hmm. to uh, make life better for the 50% that remained. Right. And I'm here to tell you that he's not right, but he's right. Yeah. Overpopulation is a really super serious problem, uh, in even in our world today. Oh yeah. And uh, the availability of resources uh, is something that's a very serious issue that uh, science has been finding, trying to find ways to combat and and everything else over the course of however long. And uh, some would say we're losing that fight right now. Uh, with pollution and with uh, uh, destruction of wildland habitats and, and everything else like that, we're losing. And so to have a villain come along that his sole motivation is essentially to save the universe by making the hard choices that nobody else can make, I kind of get it. Yeah. I mean, I don't like it, yeah. but I get it. Yeah, he absolutely is like... Like we say, the hero of his own of his own story, right? Where he he is right. People are suffering, and you could easily solve a lot of problems if there was half as many people to take care of. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I give it to you like this: the way he was doing it, while brutal and horrific, could have been working. Oh, yeah. He talks about Titan and how it would have worked on his planet, or he talked about it on uh, uh, Gamora's planet, uh, which I forget the name of offhand. Uh, uh, but how the fifty percent of the population left on that planet was thriving mm-hmm. after his visit, and uh, I know in the comic books her planet was wiped out. But um, we have villains in the comics that are bent on destruction. We've got people like our people. We got creatures like Galactus or uh, Annihilus. Or characters like this that that are solely bent on wiping things out. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we have a character in the MCU that's trying to be, quote unquote, fair and balanced with it. Yeah. Well, his at the core of it, his motivating factor is to save people. Right. His because to him, if he doesn't take off, take out half, everyone's going to go. Right. So if he doesn't do what he can do now to destroy half the population, eventually. They're all going to be dead. So, you know, through those rose-tinted lenses, he is right, and he right. is the, the hero. The hero of his own story, right. right. But the thing is, and, and here's kind of where I draw the line with Thanos, and, and there's a lot of talk after Infinity War saying, maybe he's right. Look at the way we're living right now. You know, he's trying to help, albeit in a horrific, terrible way, but, you know, he's not entirely wrong. But here's where I posit to you that he fucked up and he fucked up major when he snapped and this has been confirmed by everyone involved with the movie and uh, it's been it's been like confirmed all over the place i don't need to quote sources at this point but 
when he snapped, he wiped out 50% of everything across the entire universe. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is everything. He didn't just wipe out 50% of the humanoid population of a planet, for instance. He wiped out 50% of all living things on that planet. Right. So he wiped out 50% of humanity, but also 50% of our natural resources. So he gains net zero. Yeah. And so, like, the interesting thing to me about that is that, like, in our world right now, there is enough food to feed everybody. Mm -hmm. No one needs to go hungry. The problem is logistics and greed. You know, nobody wants to be the one that foots the bill to feed someone else. And it's, which is ludicrous. And it's easier I mean, to just on. throw away food than it is to ship it in a truck. Like, I mean, it's there's a lot. It's a lot more to that. But it is that easy to solve where it's just we can't do it. So we can't do it. There's getting rid of half the population doesn't solve the fact that we can't feed half the population, no matter how big that population is. Right. And like the amount of land we have, there's plenty of land, but there's still, you know, 13 million people living in Manhattan when they could all just go into, spread out into like into North the Midwest. Dakota yeah. North Dakota is empty. There's plenty of land for everybody. It's just the fact that that's not how life works. Right. And actually I got into an argument with someone on Facebook. And I know that's shocking to argue with someone on Facebook. I yeah. mean, what You're the probably hell? the first. Right. I mean, I've never heard of it before, but, uh, there was a a store that had like a bunch of uh, coolers fail, and and I worked in grocery for a lot of years, mm. and so I I can speak to this with some kind of authority, uh, which they did not like that I spoke to it with any kind of authority because I took a, an opinion that was different than theirs, and this is a person that I consider a friend, and I'm not going to call out names at this point because why, it makes no sense. But the general purpose of the conversation was that there was a store whose coolers and everything went down. And so they had to throw out a bunch of food, perishable food. Mm -hmm. And so they had dumpsters outside of the store full of this perishable food. And they actually had security hired to monitor the food to make sure people weren't getting into the dumpsters and taking it. And their stance was, well, why should they? Why shouldn't they just let people have it? We have such a big homeless community right now. We have such a big, you know, problem with hunger in our area. Why wouldn't they just let people have access to it? Which sounds good on paper, but until you look at the realistic nature of the problem, is that this store would be legally and liably on the hook for every product that's taken out of that dumpster. If someone were to get sick or, God forbid, die based on something that they ate out of a dumpster from a, a store and they can prove where it came from, they'd be legally and liably on the hook for that. I mean, and that's just fact. I've had conversations with people at the grocery stores before about what they do and don't donate, what they can and can't give away, and why. And that became a huge part of that was because there are certain things that they cannot guarantee the quality of once it leaves their hands. Mm. And if it's something that's like, for instance, legally bought or sold, that's one thing. But if it's something that's outside of something that they can track or trace, 
that just opens them up to a whole world of liability that would shut the store down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's not something that they're going to be willing to do. And so I know it's kind of tangential. I just kind of went off on a little tangent. Well, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it is totally relevant because like if something goes past the counter, you can't take it back. Right. You know, so it's, it is relatable that like you can't just make things better just because it's available. Right. Like just because people have money, like everybody, we're getting real weird, but like just because (laughs) there are billionaires with money doesn't mean those billionaires can solve every problem if they were just millionaires. Right. It's not so simple as just giving away your money because money doesn't fix these kinds of problems. Not when you have a social infrastructure that doesn't take care of that too. Right. And, And I guess that does kind of tie in because, you know, Thanos tried to do what he thought was correct. And maybe before when he didn't have the Infinity Stones, he was doing it better i mean certainly more horrific and and whatnot but at least he wasn't killing the planet's resources yeah he was only killing the planet's population yeah having a firing squad is kind of grotesque mm-hmm. have everybody turning into ash in an instant not so bad it's easy enough to wash if your I hands w- of it if i was gonna die that's how i'd want to go poof into dust start i don't feel so good okay that was that one made me cry <laughs> probably not that guy more like samuel L. jackson Dust. Just gone. Yeah. But I mean, and so that's where that's where I have to draw a distinction is because uh, when he was doing it before, it was it was by hand and he was forced to uh, live with the consequences of his actions. Yeah. And maybe he was in some small iota of a way making these planets more balanced. Yeah. I mean, the act weighed on him. He wasn't happy to be doing this you know he felt it was his burden like he said so that he had to do it himself Mm -hmm. you know it's definitely not like he thinks he know i mean he does think he knows better but it's not like he's thinks that he is the saving grace he thinks that he had this has to be done right and and so like i pause it to you that like when he did the snap he undid all of the quote-unquote good works that he did because by wiping out half of the natural resources, as well as half of the the population, you gain nothing. Yeah. I mean, you got a more open planet, but there's still the same amount of food. There's the same amount of wildstock and or livestock and 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 all that. And so, uh, you don't gain right anything. You gain more space. Yeah. The ratios didn't change. The housing market might have gotten better. Right. But that's about it. Right. And and we'll get into that a bit later. But uh, uh, yeah, it's just it's weird to see that, you know, when you see Magneto doing all the things that Magneto does, terrorizing, dropping bombs, wiping out entire uh, nations and whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's done some pretty horrific shit in his past, too. What we don't see is that, you know that seed of positivity in what he's doing. We can see that with Thanos, but we don't see that in all these other villains. Yeah. Well, it definitely, I mean, it showed a bit more in the Fox X-Men movies with Magneto. Well, as Magneto goes on, he goes further, well, back and forth through the, through the years, depending on the writing. But Mm -hmm. for overall, I would say as he gets 
in the beginning, it's very much like an anger. I could use a man of your talents. Welcome to the Brotherhood. And then he tries to become like a leader. <laughs> and then he realizes in the end that he was kind of wrong. Like he definitely comes around full circle to be like, I mean, like, yeah, my people were being attacked. They were being treated unfairly and with prejudice against them. But I didn't solve anything with my acts of terrorism. In fact, I made it worse. Right. So he has the time to come around into an, an under, into an understanding. And like his his actions throughout the years are like they weigh and they vary. And like he often has redemption arcs where he like does something positive to outweigh the bad. And so it's kind of like hard to line up. Whereas Thanos is his motivating factors are good and bad, but his acts are so narrow focused where he just does this like one thing that he's known for. Mm -hmm. Whereas Magneto has like 60 years now worth of bad, bad and good happening back and forth. Right. And and again, like we're only talking really about the the Marvel characters now. As far as uh, motivational villains go, like what what are the premier ones we've got right now? We've got things like uh, uh, the Boys, which I don't know. Have you seen the Boys? I saw season one. Oh, you absolutely should watch more. It's yeah. fantastic, super well written, and and we're not we don't really have so much of that in the bad guys in the Boys because in the Boys, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched it. Uh, the bad guys are the good guys. Yeah. I can do whatever the fuck I want. The bad guys are your, your Justice League knockoffs, the, the seven. Mm -hmm. By and large, spoiled, corrupted, super beings with superpowers who, and it's just like me and Jim are always saying that with this kind of power, it absolutely corrupts. Yeah. And I tell him, it's like, I'd always think that I'd be a good guy with powers, but I, I mean, after a while, I'll get in your own way, you'd kind of, you'd probably get pushed that way too. Mm -hmm. And, and so we, and, and, and then we also have the, the quote unquote good guys in, in the boys, which are the boys, uh, led by Billy Butcher, uh, who are, are the characters that we're meant to cheer for, the characters we're meant to root on, and they just do absolutely horrific shit. Mm -hmm. Horrific. Yep. I mean, and played for laughs, and played for ha ha's, and 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 chuckles, and and a and wasn't that gory? And, and holy fuck, that was diabolical. Uh, but I mean, there's really no one to root for in that show. Even even our protagonist of Huey, yeah, uh, has done some really rancid shit. Yep, and they all just—it's like trying to find a diamond in a pile of shit yeah it really is it's it's like uh you know there's something there but do you really want to get your hands dirty you know yeah well i think that's a good example of like the different shades of the understandings of villains motivators because like the boys is very realistic and like that both both sides are bad both mm -hmm. sides might be good but really depends on where you're standing in the political theater hey wait a minute yeah yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, it varies. And then Marvel, if like the bad guys are clearly bad, but their motivating factors can be seen as understandable, mm -hmm. like a lot of revenge type stuff. And then DC, it's just like these dudes, the bad guys always just flat out suck. They're not like, oh, well, you know, 
you can relate to why this dude is doing this thing. It's always like they're just there to murder the whole planet or they're there for like global domination. Or Zod, they're, just there, they're there just to start some stuff because they're crazy bastards mm-hmm. or they, you know, they didn't take their schizophrenic schizophrenia <laughs> medication. So that way they're, they're just shooting up places for fun. Right. Uh, I, I feel like, I, and more so we're talking, of course, the, uh, the actual villains in the MC, or the DCEU, not necessarily. In the comics, they have an, uh, uh, been afforded ability to be a little bit more nuanced, mm-hmm. but not necessarily in what we've seen uh, on the big screen at this yeah. point. And that's another thing is that like you've got 100 years of DC to go mm-hmm. back on, of different stories, different ins and outs, different different rises and falls, different characters and how they could have contributed to the franchise and stuff. But like, right. In the movie universe, it's very tightly controlled, mm-hmm. and there's only like DC, what, like six movies that are actually tied together? No, uh, let's see. Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Man of Steel. Uh, that, that Bat versus Superman. Yeah. Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman 2. Aquaman. Shazam. Justice League. Justice League Redo. Oh, so, so, like, seven, seven, seven or eight. Right, give so or take. I mean, and there may be more, there may be less, whatever. Right. But so but, it's like a very tightly pre-planned universe that doesn't have like a lot to like try to cover. Like, there's not no central thread. Well, I mean, well, the thing is that there is one central thread, but like they had like what thirty movies in the MCU or in the Marvel universe that they try to like either completely unwind. Or they try to very tightly weave into the the story. Mm-hmm. So like Thor two, who gives a shit? The Dark World could have never been made. The only thing we got out of Thor two was uh, a great callback scene in right in Endgame, right, and then of course the Infinity Stone that came out of the ether, right. So, but like, there's not the plot wise, yeah. Perhaps you prefer one of your new companions, given that you seem to like them so much. Oh, this is much better. Whoa, costumes a bit much. So tight, but the confidence, I can feel the righteousness surging. Hey, wanna have a rousing discussion about truth, honor, patriotism? Right, so there's not that much to motivate, but like there's there's so much going on in those movies that you can kind of lose and gain and, you know, the contributing factors aren't that big. But they just collectively build up. They collectively build up, build up piece from here, stone from there, character from this, crossover from that. But and then the DC, you only got like five, six movies, so everything's very big and very important, right? So, and it's interesting to see uh, these little tiny fragments of things that maybe or maybe won't have uh, some kind of impact, and then all of a sudden you see the end result. You see your Infinity War, you see your End Game, and you're just yeah. like, "Oh shit, that thing!" Yeah, and that's that's very true too, especially recently because we were just watching the Falcon and Winter Soldier, and they make a bunch of X Men references. Oh yeah, that seemingly on the surface mean absolutely nothing. But like, you know they're coming. But they ha- like as a fan of the C- of the huge overall s- history of the you know Marvel, like when you hear the name Madripoor, you're like, oh man, that's a that's some big X Men stuff. Right. You that see that you see the neon important. sign for the princess bar, and you know right. damn well what it means. Right. You see a ton of stuff that you're like, man, that's gonna be huge and very important, and it might not be, because we've been fooled for the last like. 15 years about stuff that everybody thinks is going to be huge or like going to lead up to something and it doesn't turn into anything. It's just a cool mention for the super fans. Please see WandaVision and all of your goddamned 
right. fan theories. Right. If I don't see fucking Mephisto soon, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> but like, there's a ton of stuff like that where it's like, none of it, none of it might mean anything. Every little bit might mean something. Right. So. No, and it's exciting to see them lace those little things in there. And you could say it's an Easter egg. You could say it's a, it's for the fans and whatnot. But it gives them an opportunity to have a building block that maybe they won't use. Maybe they will use. It just depends on you know, case by case at that point. So yeah, you're. It's over the years I've been surprised at what does come back. It's true. So like, so we're gonna take another quick short break. When we come back, we're gonna discuss uh, Disney Plus. And uh, their treatment of uh, this Thanos snap, the blip, or whatever the fuck you want to call it, uh, that we've been talking about. Stick around. All right, everybody, welcome back. Now, if you haven't watched The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, first of all, why the hell not? We all know you have Disney Plus at this point. If you're a fan of this show, odds are good you got it. And, you know, you should probably... Don't stop listening. Don't do that. We need you to listen, but... Hello, girl, kick your ass! Ah! But definitely go back and watch that. And if you haven't watched WandaVision, where the hell have you been? That was the biggest thing in television... In a very long time. Yeah. Uh, certainly one of the most talked about things uh, that we had in a very long time. And a large part of the reasoning behind that was fan theories went bazonkers yeah. over that. Absolutely. Every single episode led to something. There was always little ties in each and every single episode that brought something closer. And and, and a lot of people like, oh, I got into the first episode and I just couldn't. I couldn't get into it. It was just so weird and disconnected and... They refuse to keep going, but by around episode three is when you start seeing those threads being pulled. And you start, you know, it's less of a myopic view. You start pulling back out and seeing this big picture that they're trying to paint. And by, like, the fifth or sixth episode, that picture is just unavoidable. You have to look at it, and it's fantastic. Yeah. But the internet went crazy trying to speculate what was happening. Oh, well, this person's there. That means this. Or... Oh, they brought in uh, Pietro from the X-Men movies. Well, that, that means this. I mean, that really, honestly, that should have meant something. And it that might. Was, that was a real turd. It still might. That was a real turd Ferguson dick punch. Just be like, huh, just kidding. He's not an X-Men. They <laughs> <laughs> even we got named you. him Boner. We got you good. It was just so, I mean, can you blame the fans for going like, oh, this has got to mean something? Because no. it's like I was saying before the break, it's like the last... 12 years worth of hints and clues and it's like oh is this gonna oh they dropped they name dropped is it gonna mean something it's like well it still might it doesn't seem like it did but it still might right it's it's all and all of the stuff with wandavision is is they're all just playing up towards this multiversal Mm -hmm. uh, encounter that they're gonna have between you know uh and doctor strange and the multiverse of madness which of course just finished wrap they wrapped production this week yeah and so now they go into, of course, like a massive post-production on these things. Every Marvel movie has like 
months and months and months of, of post-production nonsense, I'm sure, with the special effects and all that. But um, but Wanda Maximoff ties heavily into Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, I think they've gotten really good at handling like two, not two villains, but like two... Disparate type characters. And yeah, two two kind of threads that are going on where it's like, in WandaVision, she's against the U.S. government. But then she's also got a lot of sorcery stuff that she's trying to figure out and like trying to figure out her past and trying to figure out her powers, trying to figure out her the source of her powers. Like, mm-hmm. was, was she the one who stopped the bomb when she got bombed as a little kid in Sokovia or whatever it was called? Mm-hmm. Or was that just a happenstance that the bomb didn't go off? And so it's like really interesting that it's like they're trying to build a bigger picture, but not so big that you that this small picture doesn't matter, right? But also not do just a small picture so that it doesn't go anywhere, right? And I think they had a lot of that with uh, what they tried to do with the uh, Agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. They tried so hard within the first two seasons of that show just to tie it back, everything to tie back into the MCU, right. that they couldn't keep up. Yeah, they couldn't keep the threads from creating problems plot holes and and paradoxes with uh what what happened oh well they blew up the triskelion and they blew up all the different uh helicarriers well how is that going to affect a team that's shield based you know that's going to affect it negatively when shield goes under yeah and they just had this real problem uh keeping the shows tied together tightly and i think what they've done with uh the new series of course we're only two series into this whole uh, network takeover of Disney's on uh, Disney Plus, um, but from everything that I've seen of the the other series in progress, which is like Loki and 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 what they've got planned for the end of Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, I feel like they're just going to keep pushing this because now we've gone from a place where they tried and failed to connect their universes to now there's no denying that the events that happen in in Wandavision are going to have an impact. On the MCU, there's no denying that what happens in Falcon and Winter Soldier isn't going to have huge consequences in the MCU. Yeah, because early on they would go from one one character threads to cross these things, whereas now they're like the events that actually shape up other things. Like in the Winter Soldier, it's all, all about Zemo coming back, and WandaVision it was all about what happened at the end of Endgame and how we're going to see Vision going forward. Mm-hmm. And his role and their role and, you yeah. know. So they've definitely gotten better at setting up a larger picture, but also making sure at the same time that the picture we're currently seeing is interesting and, and de- develop something worth watching. And the Loki series looks completely bizonkers. Big metaphor guy. I love it. Makes you sound super smart. I am smart. I know. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just- Crazy. I've only seen set pictures, but you know me, I don't like to get spoilers until I get to watch it. I'm going to say I can show you the trailer, but uh, it's intense. Because it's and, coming out soon, I assume. Uh, yeah, as soon as Falcon and Winter Soldier is over, it's basically going to be on. Yeah, because they pushed everything back like six months, but Kate kept the same relevant schedule to each other, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think we got we got one more episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier here next Friday, or by the time this airs, today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, 
after that, I want to say, I don't even think there's, there might be like a one week break where they do like the retrospective episode on the behind the scenes of all that. And, yeah. and then I think it jumps right into Loki. I think that's the slate. Yeah. Is that they're going to have, try to have a new episode every week. So that way they don't have to lose subscribers. Right. Which I was talking with uh, Jim about with HBO and, uh, I want. I, I I took the very negative and, and accusatory tack of saying that uh, they pushed back uh, Mortal Kombat by a week just to get people to subscribe for another month mm. because they had the, the release dates on uh, on Godzilla versus Kong uh, too close to uh, Mortal Kombat. Well, and I, so if you get one month and you get both movies in one month, why do that? Fuck that. Push yeah. Mortal Kombat back by a week. Now they have to have it for another month if they want to see it. And I have a feeling that's what they're going to be doing with their release schedule from here out is with these tentpole movies that were supposed to hit theaters. They're just going to keep people stringing along. They're yeah. going to have people like me who are just like, I can't get rid of it now. Well, I think that they are one of the few services that don't offer free one-month trials anymore. Not anymore. I Not since think, Wonder Woman. Yeah, I don't think that they do that anymore, which is a very smart move. And like for a long time... HBO was not worth the money unless you just had extra money to throw at shit. I mean, maybe Game of Thrones preseason eight, but yeah, maybe. And that was even then. Their, back then, their streaming service was absolute shit, garbage. Yeah, yeah. But now the HBO Max has been fully rolled out, dude. Absolutely worth the money. By far, oh, my yeah. most used streaming platform service out of any of them. And I have a lot, and I do use it. Oh yeah, I've got all. I've got legit all of them except for Showtime. Cause fuck that. Fuck Showtime. Yeah. No, wait. Maybe I have Showtime and I don't have stars. One of those two can, can just straight <laughs> fuck off, though. I know for a fact that I don't have one of them and the other one's mildly better. Whichever one I don't have can would fuck that, off. Yeah, would, I got to check my Amazon Prime account, but I know one of them sucks. I had uh, I downloaded the A&E Plus just to get caught up on Walking Dead while I was out in the desert. They and, still uh, make that fucking show? Yeah, they got one more season coming up. Well, pardon me, young man. Excuse the shit out of my goddamn French, but did you just threaten me? Oh, man. Good speaking Kirk, of which, good for Kirkman. Speaking of which, speaking of good for Kirkman, if you haven't checked out Invincible, me, I spent a whole like ten minutes waxing nerdy about that last episode. But yeah, uh, I've, I mean, because I, I keep seeing the ads for it, and it seems like a very wholesome, fun family show. And then I'll see comments under the ads, like on you know Facebook or TikTok or whatever. And then everybody's like, "I thought that this was a kids or family show. Do <laughs> not watch this with your kids. It is brutal." And I'm like, "Oh man, I gotta find out now." Yeah. No, it's. Spoiler alert, it's brutal as fuck. Yeah. And, For, and it's beautifully made. Yeah, it's got the exact same animation style as everything made in the 90s, so it looks like it's hand-drawn, cell-shaded, right. like individual cells. It's not just computer lines. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's like, gorgeous. I, I watched Dragon Ball Super, and it looks like shit. It's over 9,000! <laughs> and that's like the highest budget anime that's come out of Japan in the last, like... That's new, Probably ever. Uh, I think it actually ended a little while ago, but oh, yeah, okay. it's, it's the... It's the resurgence of Dragon Ball. But Dragon Ball makes more money than any anime. They put more money into making that show than any other one, and it still looks like shit. <laughs> Very poorly made. Um, but yeah, if you haven't checked out Invincible, Robert Kirkman has knocked it out of the park with that. We actually spent the last couple nights uh, plowing through it to get caught up with it because I got this thing where I don't want Facebook to spoil shit for me. And, and yeah. Facebook, God bless you. Zuck your machine, I'm stuck on it. I know. I don't like it half the time, but I'm stuck on it. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is, you can't... If you say the words Disney+, Plus, or you say the words Falcon and Winter Soldier, you better watch all the ads pop up on your Facebook. And yeah. they know you. They're listening. Yeah. And so to be able to get to a Friday... 
let's say, okay, so this Friday I didn't work. I was waiting for a call. I didn't get a call. But Danny was at work all day. And so we couldn't watch the new episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier till about 5, 36 o'clock when Danny got home. And in the intervening hours, because they release at midnight the day before, uh, people were trying to spoil it. News articles were trying to spoil yeah. it. I mean, every time I even saw anything about it, I quickly just thumbed right past it because it's like, I don't want to spoil this. Yeah. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Every form of media in the age of the internet is now getting Snape kills, killed Gandalfed. You know, where it's like, <laughs> Somebody finds out the spoiler as soon as possible, maybe even early release, some kind of leak, or maybe they just go see the first printing, first showing, mm-hmm. and then they just fucking ruin it for everybody on the internet for shits and gigs. Because, because they're horrible Because people. they're horrible people. I don't watch trailers anymore because the trailer ruins it. Mm-hmm. I hate getting news, dude. I don't want to hear about shit. <laughs> well, that's all tangible. We were going to talk about... Now, uh, the thing with Falcon and Winter Soldier specifically... Uh, and again, if you haven't watched it, please do. I'm going to try to speak in broad terms because I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't really had the chance. We're still kind of within that spoiler moratorium on there. The main thrust behind the uh, primary antagonists in the series uh, is that they are refugees that when the blip happened, ended up finding homes and finding jobs and, and being cared for and you know, they were the actual the benefactors of uh, what Thanos had done. And uh, really the only b- positive thing that Thanos did was open up the housing market. Essentially, yeah. they opened up the borders. They were able to house a lot of people who maybe not have been housed. Wars kind of took different tacts. And things got worse. But then gradually over the five years that, that they were gone, things started to heal. Yeah. As inevitably they would. Because who the hell knows if anyone's ever coming back? Nobody knew that the Avengers were going to time travel to make shit better. Right. So what happens is, is the world, uh, water seeks its own level. The world healed, in a sense. Learned to deal with what had been lost. And learned to move forward from what had been lost. And then the problem was, is when everything came back. Now here, just take it on a, on a one family basis, okay? So let's say you're a family of four. Wife, husband, two children, right? Let's say wife gets blipped, one child gets blipped. So you got a husband and one child left, right? Over five years, maybe husband finds new wife or new girlfriend or new whatever, and starts rebuilding a life, as you would do after five years, you know? Mm -hmm. You would try to move on, mourn your loss, and then kind of get over it. So now you have, let's say say for just for shits and giggles, they're living in the same house, right? So husband and child are living in the same house. They meet a new person. Husband, you know, maybe gets married again, maybe has a live-in partner. Or with their kids or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. Situationally, it it could literally be anything. But let's now surmise what happens when the blip is reversed. When wife comes back, other kid comes back. Now, here's husband in a really weird situation. I know, dude. That he has almost zero control over. He just woke up a Mormon. (laughs) (laughs) 
Dude, I don't know. I, and, and that's just, that's a very small focused in yeah. example of that. But now picture that happening the entire world. So, okay. So according to uh, me speaking to my Amazon Alexa here just now, uh, the world population is just about 7.6 billion people. Now, if you fracture that in half, 3.8 billion people gone. 3.8 billion people left to make do, create new lives, uh, find new jobs, find a way to keep the infrastructure running, yada, yada, yada. Now, you've learned to deal with that. You've made new lives. You've maybe patched over borders. You've moved countries. You've fixed things. You've started to move on. Now, 3.6 or 3.8 billion people are back all of a sudden. You're going to have housing issues. You're going to have food issues. You're going to have supply chain issues. You're going to have marital issues. You're going to have issues. You're going to have problems. And so the entire thrust of... Uh, the antagonist in Falcon and Winter Soldier is that they are uh, uh, people who were given asylum, given home, given places to live during the blip, and then forced out at the end. So again, we're left with a villain that we kind of have not necessarily understanding of or whatever i'm i'm, I'm, I'm struggling it's, it's to try very to relatable word. relation we were able to relate to them mm-hmm. in a small degree again it's not a villain that wants to poison your children or you know throw a fish a smiling fish at your face and make you die uh it, it's a very relatable kind of quote-unquote villainy now what they do with it that's a different kettle of fish yeah but the fact of the matter is, is it's a very relatable character trait. It's something that we can all kind of understand. Yeah. Because in, in watching the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they, I mean, they're clearly the bad guys, but you get the sense that the government is the real bad guy the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole time you're watching it, you're just like, oh, I mean, they're, they're, you can understand where they're coming from. If they were helped out more, they would never have done this. Right. Or you if know? you didn't have the, the barrel of Kirkland brand right. Captain America pointed at you. Yeah. Do you know who I am? I am Captain America. If it wasn't for Big Jaw Yokel over there, everything <laughs> would probably be fine. So it's like it's really hard to blame these people when you understand where they're coming from so well. Right. So you obviously have to do things to paint them in a villainy role. You know, you're going to blow up a house yeah. full of. Or a warehouse full of yeah. people. You give them a spooky mask. They light someone on fire that's still, like, you know, burns some people to death. Right. It all ends up. You, you got to give them a little bit of villainy. You can't be totally relatable. Yeah. But, uh, and then, of course, um, the side note have you heard about all of the bullshit that Wyatt Russell's having to deal with being you cast know, as, as. I hear about John that Walker. stuff happening every time that somebody's, a, like, a character that's not well received. And I, I well, just feel like it's like. You know, I know I'm going to get shit for this, but it's just like back in the day when people were like cyberbullying, just get off the internet. It's like kind of, you know, stop accepting DMs on Twitter and then (laughs) nobody can send you death threats anymore because you just live in a mansion in L.A. where nobody's actually in your face telling you that you're a piece of shit. 
Well, the real dumb thing about it is, is everybody's all up in arms about the fact, oh, this isn't my Captain America, and, yeah. and this, that, and the other thing, and, and uh, he's a shitty replacement. No, look at him, he's a just shitty person for taking this role in the first place, and it's like, these people have obviously never picked up a comic. Well, and they've obviously never watched more than the first episode of right. the fucking show, because you'd see in the first five minutes of the second episode that he Just agrees. starts cracking. And he doesn't want to be doing this. And right. he was kind of thrown into the position. Yeah. So it's like... And then progressively every episode, you kind of see the character crack. Right. It's like, you didn't want Wyatt Russell to be Captain America? Neither did Wyatt Russell, dude. <laughs> Fucking look yeah. it up. And the thing is, is the character of John Walker was never meant to be Captain America. He was never meant to replace Steve Rogers as a whole. Yes, in the story, he was intended to replace him. Mm-hmm. But we all know, just like we all know that... Peter Parker is Spider-Man. There's always going to be a Peter Parker Spider-Man because right. Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Well, same thing with Captain America. Yeah. Steve Rogers is always going to be Captain America. Now, there have been other people that have wielded the shield in and Bucky and, and, and Sam and, and all of these people in the comics. They've all taken a turn. And in fact, uh, uh, John Walker had a turn as well. But anyone who knows anything about comics history would know that this isn't meant to be long term. Yeah, and, and Captain America was always a propaganda piece. Right. He was not, like, yeah, he's a hero, but to the American government, he's something to put on Wheaties boxes and sell the war and buy, like, sell, buy, sell bonds. Buy war bonds, yeah. Yeah, buy war bonds. So, But the fact of the matter is, 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 is all of you idiots out there, stop sending Wyatt Russell hate mail. He's doing a fantastic job in his character. Yeah, I already told him to block you all anyways. So yeah, fair enough. You won't even receive him. Good job. Way to go, Wyatt. But, uh, yeah, so... Another example of Marvel giving us a villain that we can kind of relate to, that we can kind of understand the motivation behind. And I don't see that kind of going away anytime soon. Now, of course, I haven't seen the finale of Falcon and Winter Soldier just yet, so I don't know exactly how that's going to wrap up. Um, hopefully satisfactory. I'm sure Mephisto will be there. Fuck, dude. <laughs> Mephisto better start showing up in every single film. Every single thing. God damn it. Yeah, but uh, maybe they'll bring in Pietro. I'm really, ho- yeah, I'm honestly really hoping for some X Men stuff developing soon because we've had 13 X Men movies from Fox and they've all been hot shit. <laughs> I would appreciate one good film. They're coming. I like the first two X Men movies, maybe even the first three. I'll be honest, but Ooh, can and I stand. Oof. I I kind of like it, and I like you know Old Man Wolverine, Old Man Logan, whatever the fuck it was called. Just Logan. Logan. Yeah. But the rest, of the other ten there are just hot shit. Yeah. They're awful. Yeah. They're right fucking awful, awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could do an entire episode just bullshitting about the fucking Wolverine movie alone. But uh, why be Origins the dead horse? or Wolverine? Origins. I, hear, I have a hard time remembering which one's which. The one with the floating claws. Yeah, and then Wolverine is where he like fights Cyber Ninja, right? Silver Samurai, yeah. Silver Samurai. The Origins is where they fucked up Deadpool. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. showdown on top of the nuclear cooling tower. Yeah, with Deadpool, the merc with no mouth. Yeah, literally. Yeah, dumb. Yeah. We, could, we could go on and on about that, but uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, Marvel's not infallible, and of course we blame Fox on that, but yeah. um, the fact of the matter is, is, is they're building to something new. They're building to something great. And I think this newest wave of things that they've done on TV has just been phenomenal. Yeah. They've literally got me on the edge of my seat every single time going, holy shit, you know? They've done a great job. I think it's weird. I just had this random connection in my mind where it's kind of like the Magic card game. Okay. Right? Hear me out. So Magic was released, very basic, but amazing. Okay. And so each year 
they try to build on it and still keep the past relevant, but make the old stuff interact with the new stuff so that the new stuff is even better. Okay. So I think Marvel's kind of doing the same thing where it's like they have their old stuff. It's still good. Still works with the new stuff. And each year they're building onto it, making it better, transitioning into new stuff so much so that the old stuff doesn't even look like the new stuff. But it's all one thing. Right. So hopefully we'll go from the phase three, the Thanos and everything, and that the phase four, whole new stuff that doesn't seem familiar, but it transitions so well that it's all still the same one story. Right, and they got a whole bunch of properties that they're going to be integrating now coming up after the Fox merger with uh, the X-Men properties and everything involved with that. They're still working on a lot of the Spider-Man angles because yeah. of the Sony deal. Yeah. And, of course, we got the Fantastic Four and all that that entails uh, on the horizon as well. So there's an entire new uh, universe full of stories that we can interweave and make part of this overarching uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I feel is great. Uh, now, DC is still trying to come up with their own brand. I think they've kind of veered away from trying to do this whole uh, interconnected story thing, and they're just finally starting to let go and just have movies for movies' sake, yeah. which I think, honestly, is probably the best policy for them. Well, and I think that the history of comic books would show that that's a good idea. Right. Because you have short, limited-run series where it's a very confined, very well-written story, and it doesn't need to tie into the bigger picture to be good. Mm-hmm. That one long shot makes sense and is good on its own. It doesn't need to like have everybody in, right. under the sun inside of it. And they don't have to emulate everything Marvel does. And I think trying to emulate Marvel is just going to cause more heartache for them and, and their stockbrokers. Yeah. And, and like it makes the movies worse because like I've watched most of the Snyder Cut <laughs> and there's just too much happening in that fucking movie. Yeah. It's four hours of continuous onslaught of storyline, and it's just like, fuck, dude, you don't need this many goddamn characters in a movie. You don't, you don't need this many backs, this much backstory. You don't need to know where everybody came from, <laughs> and so it's just it's very overwhelming. And I hope that they do end up going back to the formula of like one one character, one movie, right? Because they're gonna very quickly Spider Man three themselves, where you've got three villains in one fucking movie, mm-hmm. and it's just you. That's what killed the Rainyverse. Yeah, you just burn yourself out. And it's like this that was happening in the last Christopher Nolan Batman movie where he's fighting two bad guys. And it's just like, this is kind of overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You can really just focus on one thing, please. No, I agree. So, again, I mean, we kind of meandered all over the topic. but Yeah, Phase uh, 4 is going to be sick, though. Phase 4 is going to be good. The multiverse is going to yeah. be good. I'm looking forward to it. And, and, and I kind of, like I said, that's kind of where I give Marvel its shine right now. I think... <laughs> think they've got a real uh, draw with making relatable characters and making characters that uh while still in the in the realm of you know genocidal madman we're still able to find that that little tinkling of of relatability that little kind of patch of oh i get it yeah i we, get it and that's why he's such a well-rounded character we're able to understand the motivations a little bit more yeah he's not just murder grimace he's like he's a real dude <laughs> he's murder grimace he's i mean he is the father you know you really kind of see it well with gamora anyway yeah (laughs) i mean you can't be a father to a fucking toaster but poor nebula i know oh such a disappointment i know fucking star projector (laughs) (laughs) i want to thank you guys for joining us for another episode of the fuel your fandom podcast i want to thank tom uh, for joining me again as always yeah we'll have you back on i'll have to have you and jim butt heads i'd love to see you guys go at it but uh 
uh, I was always happy to have you around, and uh, I'm glad to have you stop by. Me and, too. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening, and uh, I want to remind you, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so in a couple of different ways. You can reach us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash fuel your fandom. You can reach us on Instagram where we post a bunch of really dumb memes, and that's just kind of how we do it. Uh, it's uh, Instagram. You go to fuel your fandom at Instagram, so you can find us there, or you can find us in our email uh, if you have anything you want to reach out and talk to us about, feelyourfandom at gmail.com. Also, if you have a potential guest or an idea for a show topic or anything of that nature, you can reach us at fyftalentbooking at gmail.com. But from us to you, I want to say thank you again. And remember what I always try to remind you, that everything is fandom. Fandom is everything. Take care.